3 tonight, Judges chapter number 3, we'll begin reading in verse number 1, Judges chapter number 3 in verse number 1, if you're there say Amen. The Word of God said, Now these are the nations which the Lord left to prove Israel by them, even as many of Israel had not known all the wars of Canaan, only that the generations of the children of Israel might know to teach them war. At the least, such as before, knew nothing thereof, namely, five lords of the Philistines and all the Canaanites and the the Sidians and the Hivites that dwelled in Mount Lebanon from Mount Belhermon unto the entering in of Hamath. They were to prove Israel by them to know whether they would hearken unto the commandments of the Lord, which he commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses." The children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, the Hittites, and Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and the Jebusites. And they took their daughters to be their wives and gave their daughters to their sons and served their gods. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and forgot the Lord their God and served Balaam in the groves. Therefore the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he sold them into the hand of Cushan Rishathaim, Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, and the children of Israel served Cushan Rishathaim eight years. When the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer to the children of Israel who delivered them, even Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he judged Israel, and went out to war. And the Lord delivered Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand. And his hand prevailed against Cushan Rishathaim. And the land had rest forty years, and Othniel the son of Kenaz died. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel, because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. And he gathered unto them the children of Ammon and Amalek, and went and smote Israel and possessed the city of palm trees. So the children of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, eighteen years. If I could tonight, I want to preach a thought that I really believe will help our church tremendously. I'd like to talk to you tonight on this subject, how to overcome or how to get deliverance over long-term repetitious sin. How to get deliverance over long-term repetitious sin. Everybody know what I'm talking about? Something that you do over and over and over and over and over again. You say, I'm not going to do that no more, but you do it again. I'm never going to go back to that, but you go back to it again. God, please forgive me. I don't want to do this no more, but you do it again. That's exactly what Israel's done. But God shows us later on in this chapter, in Judges chapter number 3, that you can be delivered from a, from a, from a repetitive cycle of sin. So if God will help me tonight, I'm preaching on that thought, how to get deliverance over long-term sin. Please pray with me and pray for me here tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I sure thank you. 
God, for the opportunity, Lord, to be in your house. I thank you, Lord, for the good liberty that I feel in my soul. God, I know without a shadow of a doubt that, Lord, I have the word of the hour, not because of me. God, I can't take credit for none of this. But, Lord, it's something that you spoke to me and, God, that you enlightened my heart to and, Lord, that you convicted me over. And, God, that our church needs to hear. So, Lord, I pray, Holy Ghost, that you give me power and unction. Oh, God, I pray, Lord, for the anointing of the Spirit of God. Lord, use me, Lord, for thy glory. God, bring heavy, heavy and hearty conviction, Lord, to this place. Not, Lord, that men would look at men and try to weigh out their lives, but that men would look at their own lives and try to draw closer to thee. God, as long as sin is in the camp, Lord, and it is, God, there is no hope, Lord, of the next generation. There's no hope of this generation and this church for the honor and the glory of God. Help me, dear Holy Ghost, and I'll thank you in Jesus' name and for His lovely sake. And all the Lord's people said, Amen and Amen. You may be seated. Now, hang with me just for about ten minutes in the introduction. i got to lay a foundation and let you know what's going on. It is here in our text where we find ourselves beginning to read about the children of Israel. We begin to read about their account of constant issues concerning sin. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to know that the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, have always had a repetitious and a repeating process, a cycle of long-term sin. It's all throughout the Scriptures. May I say tonight and may I remind you that these aren't just any ordinary people that we're reading about tonight. These are God's chosen people. And I say these are people who had knew God personally. These are people who have received God's law personally. These are people who have witnessed God's power personally. These are people who've enjoyed a relationship with God on a personal level. These are not here, here so, and, and they're, not, they're not finding out who God is through the grapevine. I'm talking about, boy, they not only had uh, uh, experiences with God, but supernatural ones. And these people have seen God do things me and you have not even seen God do. I mean, they've watched God's people, have watched the Lord do extravagant, exceedingly, and abundantly above all that they could ever ask or think. And what do they do? over and over and over again. Now stay with me. It's not just that they fall into sin but they go to the same sin over and over and over. I'm talking about people that know God. If you don't know by now, I'm preaching to the church tonight. These are God's people that have issues and problems with long term sin. What was their sin? Well, they had a major problem with false gods and idol worship. I begin to think all throughout the scriptures when God uh, began to give the law unto Moses, what did they come down and find? He found an idol. I, I begin to search and study and look. And you know what we find? God's people do over and over and over and over. Listen, they've watched God part the Red Sea. They've watched God do things with a rod. My friend, that nobody could understand. And they continue to repeat their sin in idol worship. 
over and over and over again. May I say it's those same people who we're now reading about. They've, they've reached their absolute lowest moral state throughout the entire book of the Bible. Can I say the children of Israel has lived their lives in a repeating cycle. Here's what they would do. They would do good for a while, Brother Shelby. Then they'd mess up and they'd sin and they'd fall in the same old thing and get out of fellowship with God. What would God do? He would judge them. That's why we're in the book of Judges. God would judge them. What would happen after God began to judge them? They'd cry out to God and they'd ask Him, Oh God, please forgive us. And what did God do? He forgave them. And then they'd do good for again a while for another time. And then what would happen? They'd mess up again. They'd find another idol. They'd look for another false god. They'd look for a way out to rebel against their, hey, against the apple. They were the apple and still are the apple of God's eye. And my friend, over and over and over and over again, they would repeat their cycle of sin. Children of Israel appear to be slow learners. But I'm looking at people that appear to be slow learners as well. I'm going to tell you something. God's people struggle with sin. I don't know where this mentality came from that well, we can walk in just have church and there's no price to pay. No, I'm here to tell y'all something. From the pulpit to the very back pew, everybody in here has got issues with sin. You might as well help me tonight because I know, I know myself, I know what you're made of because I'm made of the same thing. And a lot of times it's not a variety of sin. A lot of times it's a very small collection of sins that you're always going back to and you're always turning back to and you're always repeating and you've lied to God a thousand times. You've told Him how sorry you are. You've asked for forgiveness 900,000 times but God knows and you know when you get up that you're probably going to end up in the same situation I'm telling you friend there's got to be a line drawn where you finally get delivered from your long term sin through the Lord can I say it is earlier in this chapter we read it in verse number 9 that God uses a man, calls a man, rises up a man by the name of Othniel or Othniel of the first judge in verse number 9 and God uses Othniel to deliver them and the Bible said him for 40 years for 40 years after they have fallen into sin and they've fallen into idol worship and Othniel has led them out of their sin, they have have rest for 40 years. But can I say, just like before, the cycle once again repeats itself. By the way, sin and rebellion never bring forth rest. Are you listening to me? People that are overwhelmed and bound by the same sins over and over and over and over, you don't know what rest is. The only thing that brings about rest is repentance. I need a little help tonight. I'm telling you, I, I know what I'm supposed to be saying. The only help and the only hope of finding rest is repentance. Look at verse number 12. The Bible said, And the children of Israel did evil again. Look in verse 11. The land had rest. See, often hell 
Othniel delivered them from Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, in verse number 10. The Bible said they had rest for 40 years. And notice verse number 11. And Othniel the son of Kenaz died. The preacher has died. Hello, friend. The man of God has died in their life. In verse number 12. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. Here they are going down the same road, doing the same thing. But this time, can I say, they go down a little further and they go a little farther than they had before. And I'm afraid to say it, but hear me and hear me well. You will know why that they had an issue with doing the same things over and over and over again. It's because they knew God's grace and God's mercy would be sufficient. He's forgiven them a thousand times. And so they use that as liberty uh, to repeat uh, the cycle of destruction in their lives. Uh, can I say I believe with all my heart, especially in this generation of the church world, so we say uh, uh, people know how good God's grace is and how long-suffering He is. Uh, and instead of using that and appreciating uh, the mercy and the grace of God uh, and it putting the fear of God because of His goodness and His love, people take Take advantage of God's grace. And they go back and do the same thing a thousand times because they know God will forgive them. It's exactly what's going on here. May I say every time you go back to that sin, it'll get worse and deeper and darker. Every time you go back, it'll get worse. Oh, friend, what they had already fallen into previously in the chapter is what they fall into again. It's idol worship. Again, one more time, the same old thing. It's the same old sin, but each and every time that they go back to their sin, they go deeper and deeper, and this time, God allows them to fall harder than they've ever fallen before. God allows the enemy to completely subdue them and conquer them. God removes his hedge in his hand. He's had all he can take. Judges. Look, look, look with me in, in, in verse number 7. Just stay with me for a few minutes. The Bible said in verse number 7, The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and forgot the Lord their God and served Balaam and the groves. Therefore the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel and he sold them into the hand of Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia. And the children of Israel served Cushan Rishathaim eight years. When the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer to the children of Israel who delivered them, even Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. Here, God rises them, uh, uh, rises up a man to lead them out and to preach them straight, if you will, to rebuke and reprove and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. And, and, and so they were in bondage. The Bible lets us know uh, they served uh, the king of Mesopotamia for eight years and then God leads them out and they've got peace and prosperity and rest up my friend for 40 years but they go right back into their sin when their preacher dies look at verse 10 I'm just wading through this I'm going to get to the meat in a moment look at verse 10 and the spirit of the Lord came upon him 
He judged Israel and went out to war. And the Lord delivered Cushan, Rishathim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand. And his hand prevailed against Cushan, Rishathim. And the land had rest forty years. And Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord strengthened Egon, the king of Moab, against Israel. Now, Israel is who? And God has just done what? He has strengthened Eglon, the fat man, the king of Moab, against his own people. They've been rejoicing and shouting and having revival for 40 years. But just as soon as their preacher dies, they go right back to their same old sin. You know what God said, all right? This time I'm going to let the enemy, the king of this world, have his way. But not only is he going to have his way, I'm going to give him strength to have his way and I'm going to weaken you. Why? Look at verse 12, the bottom part. Because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. May I say, after God uses Othniel to deliver the children of Israel from King Cushan, the Bible says, 40 years pass by and Othniel dies. He dies in verse 11. We know what happens in verse 12. They go back. May I say, your, your sin, listen to me tonight, your sin can't be handled, your sin can't be conquered, and your sin cannot be overcome merely by the leader or the pastor because if he is the reason that you're abstaining from your sin and you, you, you start to do things the right way if it's for a family member if it's for the church if it's for so and so if it's for your husband or your wife or your mama or your daddy hey understand that we sometimes want to do what's right for the ones we love but if that's your reason just as soon as something happens to them you're going back to your sin going back you're going back you're going back it can't be about a man I'm looking at people God in heaven I don't know but you know your, your problem you so saw we're at church on Wednesday night we're the cream of the crop yeah we are and we all got something something that when things get too hard we're tempted to go back to some things you never let go of. And I say if you know your Bible, we find in verse number 12, the Bible said the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab. If you know anything about your Bible, you know that Moab was brought about from an ungodly, incestuous relationship. You know where Moab come from? He come from Lot and one of his daughters having sex with him after, after, after. God had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. His daughters were so sexually twisted and perverted. They just watched God burn a whole city up. And they get their daddy drunk and sleep with him. And they both bear a son. One's Moab the other's Ammon. They both come from an abominable, incestuous relationship between Lot and his daughters. Lot's daughters, uh, they get him drunk and lay with him. And from that act, 
strength came Moab and Ammon and Ammon after that God had just destroyed an entire city for sin. Do you see how the continual process of sin produces more sin and all it does is grow worse and worse? My friend Lot's daughters didn't learn a thing from the judgment of God. And now because the children of Israel, God's chosen people, refuse to learn from their sin and they're always going back and repeating their long-term sin. My friend, because they've gone back, now they're in direct contact and under the rule and the reign of the sickest, perverted, most perverted offspring on planet earth. The king of Moab. But it don't stop there. Look at verse 13. And he, who's this? Eglon, king of Moab. Moab came from the loins of Lot's Lot's daughter, incestuous. Verse 13. And he, Eglon, Moab, gathered unto him the children of Ammon and Amalek. Now, if you don't study your Bible, this probably don't mean a whole lot to you. But all it takes is 10 minutes to look them two words up and find out who he's just joined forces with. Ammon is the, the other son from Lot's other daughter because they both slept with him and he got them both pregnant after God had just destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah for unnatural abominable sins. Sleeping with your father is an unnatural abominable sin. They had, listen, they... That's, that's the frame of mind. We're living in a day and hour that's so sexually perverted. I believe with all my heart. I believe this. The Bible said these last days would be as they was in the days of Lot. The days of Noah. If they can see God literally rain fire and brimstone down and, and obliterate and sit it. And then they have to look back and their mama, their mother, turned into a pillar of salt. What they do? Just as soon as they got the chance, they flipped God off. Help somebody. That's strong language. Hey, that's exactly what they did. They did. They flipped God off, had sex with their father, and dared him to do anything about it. You can think what you want. We're living in a day and hour that's so sexually twisted and perverted. They could watch God do the same thing and some of them would not even fear God when they seen Him rain down hell out of heaven. They're so twisted and stuck in their sin. My friend, I'm telling you, sin will take you further than you ever thought you'd go. It'll keep you longer than you ever thought you'd stay. And you'll never have enough in this world to pay the the cost of what you've got to pay. I'm telling you, friend, Eglon joins forces uh, with Ammon, Amnon, and and uh, Amalek, and the whole thing just got ten times worse. And they're all against God's people. Why? Why has God allowed this? Why did God strengthen Eglon? Why? Because they kept going back to their same old sin. Is everybody up? With me where we're at. Told you, just give me a few minutes of introduction. Now, when you begin to look at uh, verse 13, Eglon, king of Moab, gathers the children of Ammon, 
and the other offspring of Lot and the second daughter, and then the children of Amalek. Now, when you begin to study out Amalek, here's what you'll find. Amalek is a staunch enemy of Israel, but these people, the Amalekites, were a distant relative of one of the 12th, 12 tribes of Israel. No significance to you, huh? Well, when you begin to read about it, what you'll find is that the Amalekites are the descendants of Esau. Hello. I'm trying to feed you. You're going to have to open your mouth. The descendants of Esau are the Amalekites. And they have now joined forces with the Moabites. And, 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 and uh, uh, excuse me, uh, they've joined forces with the Moabites. And now they've all come together. There's three parties involved. According to verse 13. Ammon and Amalek. Look what happens. Verse 13. Went and smote Israel and possessed the city of palm trees. Guess what you find when you begin to study what city that is? Anybody know? Jericho. Now I want you to take a journey back with me. I recall a man by the name of Joshua who had took the children of Israel. Some of them were children then, now they're adults. And marched around the walls of that wicked city seven times and cried and sounded as a trumpet and the walls fell down. Listen to me. The children of Israel had taken control of Jericho. It was their promised land. It was part of the deal. And now they find themselves not only in the place that they once stood and conquered, but now they're there in bondage to the wickedest people on the planet. And God's given those wicked men strength to subdue them. Why? How did all this come to pass? One word. Sin. Can I say, if you don't get a grip on your long-term sin, what some of us are shouting about right now, our children will be standing in the same places we're standing under bondage. Hello, friend. Well, my sin don't bother you. You've lost your ever-loving mind. Your sin, hey, your sin is driving everybody in your life uh, around you down the tube. I'm telling you, listen to me tonight. I know it's tough and rough, and you don't want to hear it, but this is how we're going to have a church uh, that's worth a flip. Uh, we've got to get honest before God and quit going back to our sins and doing the same thing over and over and over again, making a mockery of God by the way, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. We will reap from our sins if that's how we sow. You think, well, ain't nobody sees it. God sees it. I got grandbabies one of these days if God don't come back. Y'all listening to me? Hey, listen to me. Hey, listen to me. I've got grandbabies, my friend. One of these days, if God don't come back, my grandchildren and their children's children will deal. Are you listening to me tonight? They'll deal with the things that I have done. I'm 
telling you, Israel uh, looked like they had it all together for 40 years. They were in revival. But now they're in ruin. And they're in the same place. They once stood victorious. And now they're, uh, now they're the victim of sin. And God uh, has enabled uh, uh, the kings of the world uh, to overcome and conquer His very own people whom He loved with all His heart. God will not stand for sin. I don't care who it is or who it hits. God will not tolerate repeated long-term sin. Some of y'all, I hate to say it, but some of y'all's been dealing with things that you was dealing with before you ever walked in the doors of a Stillwater Baptist Church. You never have got victory over them. You never have conquered them. You do for a little while. You shop for a little while. You get rest for a little while. Just as soon as somebody does something or you get let down your preacher's not there. You go back and you do the same sin over and over and over and over and over again. And God, if you're not careful, will turn you loose out of the king of this world and you'll serve him as a servant and a slave to your sin tonight. God will give the devil strength don't worry about nobody crying. It's called Holy Ghost conviction. And there's a whole church probably that if we was honest tonight, that's how we'd be responding. I'm telling you, God's beat me over the head this week about some of those little petty sins. You know we justify our sins. Well, it ain't really that big a deal. If it's that big a deal to God, He wouldn't bless me the way He has. If it's that big a deal to God, He wouldn't let me prosper the way He has. If that's that big a deal to God, He'd have took this and He'd have took that. You better be real careful at trying to put God in a box. He's more long-suffering you can even imagine. He's got more mercy than you can comprehend. He's got more grace than you could ever realize. Because uh, where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Uh, but we ought not use the liberty of grace uh, for the occasion of the flesh. Uh, it's time to get deliverance uh, over long-term sin. It's time to finally go out of this thing with victory and deliverance in your heart. Uh, quit going back uh, and letting the same thing subdue you over and over and over again. Children of Israel stayed in bondage because they would not turn loose of their idol worship. Don't make no sense to me, Brother Jeff, why they loved idol worship so much. They've, they've literally watched God, watched Him. We, we read about it and have faith. They watched Him part the Red Sea. They watched him rise up Moses and Joshua. They watched him use them old prophets. And they watched him do the mighty miracles concerning Pharaoh. They watched Moses. They watched it. And yet they always returned to idol worship. Some of you have watched God and watched God and watched God do and do and do and do. But you return over and over and over again to the same old sins. It's time to get deliverance, don't you think? No, oh, God. Oh, friend, that. My friend, this is the city where God had used Joshua 
And the children of Israel would conquer, my friend, and to see victory. But now, my friend, who were those? Were some of those that are there now were children when the man of God let them around and they claimed victory. Listen to me. There's children in here tonight. They look up in this pulpit not because of me. I'm not patting myself on the back. But if you got any spiritual sense, there's victory here. There's victory in the pulpit. We're still preaching the King James Bible. Standing against sin. We're still refusing to compromise. My friend, we're willing to fight hell face to face. Not because we're big and bad, but because we realize just how small and feeble we really are. And the very moment that this thing shifts and our focus goes from God to anything else, we're done and we're cooked. We're going to be overcome and subdued. God forbid we let what God's given us. Uh, a space of grace uh, slip from our hands uh, and our children stand in the same place uh, when we're dead and gone overcome by the enemy. Right now we've got victory over the enemy. Right now we're pushing through. I'm telling you the devil's fought harder in year number seven. I thought we'd had it rough before, friend. Uh, these things I can't even tell. These things I don't even want to think about. Uh, that I personally and our church behind the scenes uh, has had to fight. You better know, neighbor, it didn't come without a price. Uh, I'm just going to get real. Don't get mad at me if you want. Uh, it seems like everybody that God's put in my life in leadership uh, is fighting bigger devils. Uh, Forgive me. You say, what'd you do? I have no idea, but it don't matter. My 
know what I had to do? I said, don't you worry one thing about that. You said, what is all that? There's a real devil. And he's out in this church. He wants to divine. He wants to divine conquer. But you better hear me. As long as there's breath in my body. And God will give me grace. I'll fight every devil in hell. And to give your family a place to come. tonight, if you want to contribute to the cause, you've got to get deliverance over your long-term sin. You've got to finally get deliverance. Oh, God in heaven, help me preach. You've got to get deliverance over your sin. I don't care what it is. It may just be a beer here and there. It may just be this or that. It may be, I don't know what your sin is. It's bigger and worse and some of them's not as bad. But at the end of the day, everybody in here's got a sin that you always find yourself going back to. And I've tried to come to tell you tonight, if you're not careful, you're going to walk your family, the future of your family, right into the arms of Eglon. You're going to lead them to Moab. You're going to lead them to the Amalekites. You're going to lead them to, to sin and sorrow and they'll be subdued and they'll be sunk as a product of your recurring sin. It's that simple. It's that serious here tonight. Oh, long-term sin will do nothing but allow what God has done in the past to become a memory. Because righteousness doesn't last off a legacy. God, the Holy Ghost gave me this. I didn't get it out of a book. I didn't quote it from Dr. Seuss. It's what the Holy Ghost told me. Righteousness does not last off of a legacy. It will last because of loyalty to the God of heaven. If you think this place is going to continue on because of it's got a legacy, you've lost your mind. It ain't going to be a legacy. It's going to be loyalty. It's going to be the children rising up when I can't preach one of them. Well, somebody's going to have to stand up and open a King James Bible and blister everybody's tail and make two or three or four or five hundred mad. I've run more off than I can shake a stick at. And I ain't saying that arrogantly. It breaks my heart, but that's the price you'll pay. I could drop the book. I could drop my beliefs. I could drop the standard tonight. And boy, we could fill her up in six months and build new buildings. But I'm looking after your family. That's what a real shepherd does. I'm trying to keep the wolves out of your home. I'm trying to keep the enemy out of your marriage. I'm trying to keep the serpents out of your children. My God, somebody help me with the cost and get rid of your long-term repeated cycle of a sin tonight. Somebody's got to help. It's got to be you. We gotta take this thing serious. How serious are you taking this? Your church attendance says a lot about how serious you're taking this. Amen. It ain't nothing for you to lay out because this out or the other. What if that was the one service 
God had lined up for one of your dreams. By the way, God's got something for you every service. Don't ever come in here and feel like, well, that was so so. No, no, no. We're supposed to be here as a body. How serious is your sin to you tonight? My Lord, I've got so much to say. I want you to look. Whatever sin it is that you're always running back to, it's harming more than just you. You're setting the table for your children, your children's children, to have to face enemies that you could have defeated. Kayla, that's my sister. But if you'll do right, I agree to see from our from our scriptures. If you'll defeat this devil, it's trying to kill you. You can save my children from having to Y'all don't believe that? Yes, sir. If you'll stay faithful and kill a few devils, you keep your kids from having to Are y'all listening to Yes, sir. Ms. Ashley, if you'll stay faithful, you fought some big, dark devils. You'll keep doing right and kill them suckers. You'll keep, you'll keep some of their babies and your children from having to fight for their right. yeah. yeah. I know we're a family. Both. Let's just be honest. Yeah. I love my family more than anybody in here. Yeah. You love your family more than anybody in here. Yeah. I wonder if we all did what we did here, number one, for God, but number two, with our family in mind. Both. How much stronger our church would be. If you were serving just for your family, I bet you'd be a pretty good servant. If you come to church just for the hope of your family, you God, I bet you'd be at church. If you sing and tithe and serve and whatever you do and do it to try to keep the light of the Lord shining in your family, we'd have a lot stronger church. But when you slip, you let sin in. I'm going to tell you what you're doing. You're opening the door for them devils that's just tempting and taunting you. Come on. You're leaving the door open for them to kill your youngins. Some of y'all say if you can fall in sin tonight, you're going to die. You might live a terrible life, but you'll die and go to heaven. But some of them babies ain't born again yet. If you let that devil keep tempting, hanging around and lingering around, they won't, he'll catch them before they got the opportunity to have blessed assurance. Are y'all with me? And he'll drag them to hell. I'm telling you, it's time how to take our sin serious in this day and hour. I want you to look at verse 14. The Bible said in verse 14, So the children of Israel serve Eglon, the king of Moab, 18 years. They served Cushan Rishathim, king of Mesopotamia, eight years. God sent them a preacher, got victory over that. Quit worshiping idols. They had 40 years of rest. As soon as their preacher died, they went right back to their old sin, and now they serve this sin 18 years. Does anybody see the repeating process getting longer? It's getting worse, it's lasting longer. What you've been fighting 13 years, if you don't get a grip on it, my, my Madison might have to fight it 32 years. Help me, somebody. 
May I say Eglon, king of Moab, has now embraced the opportunity to control Israel and he's using them to serve him and his belly from the fruit and the labor of their own lands. I hope I got time to preach all this tonight. My God, I hope I do. I really need to. I want you to look. Verse 17. The Bible said he brought the present unto Eglon, king of Moab, and Eglon was a very fat man. How do you reckon he got so fat? He's sitting on the throne in the city of Palms, which was known as Jericho, which is God's land, and it belongs to God's people. And they're out there laboring and working, and guess what they're doing with all their increase? He's getting the fruit of their labor. They're fattening the enemy up. Are y'all listening to me? Not only does God allow all this to take place, but in verse number 12, the Bible said that the Lord strengthened Eglon, king of Moab. May I say because Israel's long-term sin, God not only turns them over to King Eglon, but the Bible says He strengthens them. May I say something that you refuse to repent of will take you to the most dangerous place a person could ever be. It will take you to a place where God not only allows the enemy to take you hostage, but then God will strengthen the enemy to rule and reign over your life. God would never do something. God loves us too much for that. God loves you too much not not to turn you That's over. Right. Y'all ever heard the phrase, tough love? Y'all want idols? I'm going to let you get all you can taste for a while. And I'm going to strengthen the one that's going to be dictating your life. The king of the abominable act between Lot and his daughter. Two of them. Moab. Mammon. And I say when God weakens his own people and strengthens the enemy to have dominion over the lives of his people, he does it with a purpose. God will allow things like this to happen because of what his children are prone to do and what they repeat again always reverting back to their sin. That one sin that they refuse to deal with, repent of and turn away from. God does this uh, to his own people according to verse 14 for 18 years. Uh, my oh my how awful this passage of scripture seems for those uh, of you who seem to do the same thing. It looks like but there's no help for those who return to their long-term sin. But, as we continue to read, we find out there's another part to the story. And after 18 years of absolute tyranny and tribulation, God shows mercy one more time. As I read this story, Brother Shelby, the Holy Ghost, flooded my soul of people that I know personally that's got that one sin that they always go back to. Flooded my soul in this church, the people. You fight, you're fighting the same battles that I've sat in a room with you and counseled you about seven years ago. The problem's not with God. The problem's with you. You've never really got deliverance from your long-term sin. Let me ask you a question. Very simple, and we're going to move on. Do you want out? That's a fair question, ain't it? Yeah. 
Y'all listening to me, ain't you? We're going to get back in high gear in a minute. Do you want deliverance? Do you want help? I can't help you. God can't even help you if you don't want help. He won't force himself on you. If you don't want help, you can hang on and be drugged to hell. That's your business. But if you want help, there's help to be found. Look at verse number 15. We're moving on quickly from here. When the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised them up a deliverer, Ehud, the son of Gera, a Benjamite, a man left-handed. And by him the children of Israel sent a present unto Eglon, the king of Moab. Listen to me tonight. Write it down. You may be a servant of sin, but you don't have to serve sin. You may be one right now, but you don't have to. You may be a servant of sin right now, but you don't have to serve sin no more. You can get deliverance. If the Lord will help me, I want to continue through this text and preach on this thought. How to get deliverance over long-term sin. First of all, I want you to see this. Look at verse 14. The Bible said, So the children of Israel serve Eglon the king of Moab 18 years. Look at verse 15. But, does everybody see this? But when. Number one, take your notes. This is how it happened. I'm going to try to be brief and quick right here. I didn't mean to take that long in the introduction. If you want deliverance over long-term sin, number one, you must be sick of serving sin. Can I remind you what the Bible says in Romans 6, 12, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Now stay with me. This is vitally, this is the meat. Romans 6, 16, Know you not that whom to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto right. Sin always brings forth death. And you obey your sin until you're sick of serving it. Romans 6, 20, For when ye were the servants of sin, Romans 7.20 Now if I do that I would not it is no more I that do it but sin that dwelleth in me. Paul is saying sin can get such a rule and reign on you that not only will you serve it but you'll obey it and it's sin that dictates your life. How are you going to get deliverance over long, long term sin? First of all you must be sick of serving sin. Now, look there again in verse 14. This tells us a lot about the children of Israel in relation to their sin. Are you listening? Stay with me. So the children of Israel served Eglon the king of Moab 18 years. I got a question. What took so long? You reckon it had to be 18? Not if they called on God sooner. Just making sense to anybody. It's in your King James Bible. I got the same thing y'all got. Why in the world would they serve the king of Moab in a land that was once theirs for 18 years? Why would they uh, work the fields and harvest fruit and give it all to a fat man for 18 years? Why didn't they try to do something about it after 5 years or 10 years? Or even 15 years. Listen, simple but profound. I'm going to tell you why. They haven't got sick of it yet. Y'all with me? 
You ain't never going to get deliverance over that sin you always go back to until you get sick of it. And it took them 18 years. Almost half as long as they had freedom and rest. They go right back into bondage. Almost half as long. And then one day it occurred to them after 18 years, huh, this thing ain't working out the way it's supposed to. By the way, that's the way sin always starts. I bet you Eglon, at first, seemed like a pretty good boss. They'd bring him some of the harvest, and he'd say, I'll tell you what, y'all take about some of that back with you. I appreciate your hard work. But then them thank you started wearing away. Y'all with me? Eglon said, now don't let this bother y'all. I know that Memo and Papa marched around and walls fell down, but this ain't, this ain't like it was then. This ain't no prison cell. Y'all with me? But guess what it was? It was a prison cell. It was a, it was a concentration camp. They're starving to death while Hitler's in the palace getting fat every day. By the way, that's what sin does. The enemy will swell up and he'll prosper while you die and lose everything you know about life. They weren't tired of it. May I say until you're sick of serving sin and you're sick of living beneath the rule and reign of your sin, you'll never repent until you're sick and tired of being controlled and manipulated and lied to and deceived by your sin. There must be a day that you reach, that you decide I'm no longer going to be a slave to my sin. There must be a day when you rise up and get sick and tired of being controlled by your sin get tired of submitting to your sin get tired of sin that your sin has turned you into a slave I want to ask you this question how long is it going to take for you to get sick and tired of your sin taking your paycheck and buying things it wants and you don't you started off wanting it now you, you don't want it but you still got to buy it it's because sin is ruling and reigning. How long are you going to let sin rule and reign in your life and cause harm and heartache to your family and your friends? Are y'all following me tonight? I'm talking about sin will rip the hearts out of those that love you most and you won't leave sin until you get sick and tired of watching your sin tear everything and everybody down around you. It's ruling you. You don't want your family to hurt. But you ain't got no control because your sin's controlling you. When are you going to get tired of your sin creating doubt and depression? You know the most depressed people? It's God's people that's bound in sin. It's controlling you. That's why you can't fellowship with the brethren. That's why you can't shake hands and say hello. That's why you have no joy and you're meaner in hell all the time. It's because sin rules you and sin reigns in your body. And you ain't got no choice but to be full of hell because that's what you're full of is pure living hell. And that's the reason why most people that's ruling and reigned by their sin are the meanest bunch in the whole congregation child of God that's mean and hateful and ornery has got sin in their life. When the first thing you want to do is run away from the brethren, you've got sin in your life. 
when the first thing you want to do is turn a cold shoulder to the church, you've got sin in your life. First thing you want to do is get mad and blow up and blow out. Every time the preacher comes by and nicks your big left toenail, my friend, it's because you've got sin in your life. Every time somebody don't shake your hand and it bothers you, it's because you've got sin in your life. Every time you mow the grass or you push your broom and the church don't put it in the newsletter and you blow up, it's because you've got sin in your life. I'm telling you, sin will destroy you until you get sick of it. How long are you going to let sin rule and reign and weaken your faith while you live in fear? How long are you going to let sin rule and reign to the point it's always you putting on a show when you walk into the sanctuary? Ain't nothing genuine about what you're doing and you know it. But you play charades every Sunday and every Wednesday because your sin's controlling you. Sin will turn you into a slave. It'll wear you out. But as long as you're willing to live in it, stay with me. I know I've been long. But I'm just going to tell you tonight, I'm going to preach till I get done. Amen. I hope you're all right with that. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I'm going to stand before God about this. That's right. If you want deliverance from your long term sin, you have to be sick of serving it. And secondly, if you want deliverance over long term sin, not only do you have to be sick, of serving it, but number two, you must stop supplying it. Look at verse 17. I've already made a mention of this, so I'll hit the high points and run. What's verse 17 say? He brought the present unto Eglon, king of Moab, and Eglon was a white. I've already mentioned this, so I won't spend a lot of time here, but you know he got so fat? Children of Israel feeding him. Listen to me. Listen to me. I'm talking to the children of God. I'm talking to God's people just like Israel. Listen, as long as you're feeding your sin, your sin will grow bigger and bigger and fatter with each feeding. I just can't get the victory over it, but you go home and you do it again. You know what this time? You give it a double stuffed cookie. Right. And it just got fatter. Yep. And the load just got heavier. Come on. You will not get deliverance over those same sins as long as your feet are. You're right. Hello. Hello. And, and listen, you're not helping nobody that's in sin get out as long as you're enabling them. I know it's hard, but you know what you've got to do to somebody that's in deep sin? You've got to cut their tails off and let them live by themselves in the far country. I knew I'd get about two amens right there. You have to. Because as long as you cater to them and cuddle to their sin, you're feeding their sin, and it's getting heavier and heavier and heavier and harder, and it makes it nearly impossible when you're all the time feeding and supplying your sin. Thirdly, how are you going to get deliverance over long-term sin? Number one, you must be sick of serving it. Number two, you must stop supplying it. Number three, you must sincerely supplicate with the Savior about your sin. Look at verse 15. But when, that's when they got sick of it, the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised them up a deliverer. 
Supplicate means to see by earnest prayer. May I say I've set countless hours counseling people about their sin. Countless hours over seven years. Countless. I've sat across the table. And you know what I have to do every time I sit with somebody concerning their sin? I tell them what God has to say about their sin. Did you realize I'm not going to give you no new or special revelation? You come to me and say, I've got this issue. I need help. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to the Word of God and tell you how to get help. Amen. I've taken countless phone calls from people that have fallen because of sin. You know what? You know, that's all I can do. May I say, if you'd stop wanting to talk to me and everybody else about your sin and start talking to God, Amen. He might send you somebody to help deliver it. The Holy Ghost will lead you out if you'll follow Him. I'm going to say that again. I said the Holy Ghost will lead you out if you're willing to follow Him. How are you going to get out? How are you going to get deliverance over long-term sin? You're going to have to pray about it. You're going to have to talk to God about it. Listen, thank God for the pastor, but I can't get you out of your mess. But He can. You must cry out and ask God to forgive you and repent. Fourthly, this is my favorite one. How to get deliverance over long-term sin. I want you to look at verse 15 with me again. But when the children of Israel cried to the Lord, the Lord raised them up and delivered. Ehud, the son of Gareth, Benjamin, a man left-handed. By him the children of Israel sent a present unto Eglon, king of Moab. God raises up a man and gives him a present to take care of this king that they've been in bondage to for 18 years. Look at verse 16. Ehud made him a dagger which had two edges of a cubit length. And he did gird it under his raiment upon his right thigh. And he brought the present unto Eglon, king of Moab. And Eglon was a very fat man. When he had made an end to offer the present, he sent away the people that bear the present. But he himself, the man of God that God has raised up to deliver them, help them get out of their sin. From the cars that were by Gilgal and said, I have a secret errand unto thee, O king, who said, Keep silence. And all that stood by him went out from him. And Ehud, Ehud's the man that God has raised up, came unto him, that's Eglon, king of Moab, he was sitting in the summer parlor, which he had for himself alone. And Ehud said, I have a message from God unto thee. And he arose out of his seat. And Ehud put forth his left hand and took the dagger from his right thigh and thrust it into his belly. And the half also went in after the blade, and the fat closed upon the blade, so that he could not draw the dagger out of his belly. Notice this, and the dirt came out. Does everybody just read that along with me? So what do we have here? Israel. Got a problem with long-term sin, idol worship. They was under, <coughs> excuse me, they was under King uh, Cushan Rishathim of Mesopotamia for eight years because of idol worship. God sends a man named Othniel who delivers them, divides and conquers them, and they have, the Bible said, rest for 40 years. Stay with me. Give me 10 minutes. They have rest, Deacon, for 
40 years. But then the preacher dies in verse 11 and in verse number 12, what happens to the children of Israel? They sin again. This time they're, they're in bondage and captivity for 18 years and finally they get one day they get sick of serving sin. So you know what they do? They begin to supplicate with their Savior. They call out to God for help. What's God do? Like He always does. He rises up a man by the name of Ehud. What did the Bible just tell us? The Bible said that Ehud had a present for the king. King who? Eglon. King of where? Moab. Moab stemmed from who and his daughter? Incestuous relationships. He said, I've got a present for them. God, we need deliverance. Give me just a minute. He sends him a man. You know what he puts in his heart? He gets ready. He puts a message. He puts a divine word in his heart. Then he puts a dagger in his hand. The Bible said about this dagger, look with me. I've got to find it. The Bible said in verse 16, and he had made him a dagger which had two edges. Now, this is significant too. Nothing's in your Bible by accident. You're right. Of a cubic length. How many inches does it give it? Say it real loud. 18 inches. How many years were they in bondage? 18 years. God gives them a word. Gives them a divine word and a dagger. That's 18 inches long. No coincidence. He's got an inch for every year. And what come out when the dagger went in? Y'all picking up what I'm trying to throw down? What's the answer if you want deliverance from your long-term sin? Fourthly, you must search the Scriptures to subdue your sin. Hebrews 4.12 said, For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing sunder of the soul and spirit of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner. This Word, listen to me. You want help and, and, and you want deliverance of your long-term sin. This dagger is a, the Bible said, is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Revelation 1.16 said, And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. Now listen, the Bible said when the dagger went into Eglon that the dirt came out. May I say, hear me, I'm done. Give me five minutes. You cannot beat the devil, and you cannot beat sin with anything but the book. I can't tell you the people that have had issues with their sin and then they try to reason with their sin. Well, I feel this, or well, this is how I feel about it, or I just don't know. I think this. It don't matter what you think. Uh, if you want out of 18 years of bondage, good news. Uh, there's a dagger that's just long enough. Uh, it can burn down 18 years. Uh, and the filth and work of sin. Uh, but I'm telling you tonight, uh, you've got to line your life up 
with the book. It's the only way you get deliverance over long-term sin. David said in Psalms 119.11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not. How are you going to keep from running back to your same old sin? Y'all better hear me tonight. I'm, y'all going to need this message. You're going to need it. God's preaching to you. Ain't my fault if you didn't hear it. You're going to need this book to keep you out of sin. Gosh, dog, I ain't got time to preach it all. Ephesians 5, 25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. Ephesians 6, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. You may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You need to understand that. But against principalities and powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with the truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword, the dagger, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching there and two with all perseverance uh, and supplication for the saints uh, may I say if you really want deliverance uh, over long term repeated sin you must get in the word of God and let the word of God get in you it's the dagger that brings deliverance I'm done right here it's time for y'all to get honest so you can get help your sin is costing everyone around you both now and in the future don't allow the devil, King Eglon of Moab, to rule your life any longer. Amen. How are we going to get deliverance? Number one, you must get sick of serving your sin. Number two, you must stop supplying your sin. Quit feeding the fat man. Number three, you must sincerely supplicate with the Savior about your sin. And number four, you must search the Scriptures in order to subdue your sin. The deliverance tonight. It's my favorite point because to me, the most vital. There's only one way to fight the enemy. God only gave you one weapon. I just read you Ephesians about the armor of God. All of that is defense from the darts. He gives you one weapon. You know what that weapon is? The dagger. It's a cubit length. That ain't a coincidence, neighbor. Look this up when you go home. Take my word for it. A cubit is 18 inches. There's an inch of that dagger for each year. You put it in the king. Look here. When you put the word in, guess what comes out? It's the washing of the water. Of the, word. the dirt that's in you will come out as soon as this book gets in you. The dirt, the filth, the sin that you always go back to, it'll come out. But it's only through by the dagger. The two-edged sword. Word of God. I'm done. Thank you for your patience. Father, we love you. Help us, dear God, Lord, to hear what the Spirit saith unto the church. Moving this invitation as only you can convict and draw, please. God, please help this not fall on deaf ears. In Jesus' name, we ask and pray.
Amen and amen. Brother Chris is going to play every head bowed and every eye closed.